Hello everyone and welcome to this week's views from the 573 podcast. Hope you all are doing well on this Thursday afternoon on December 29th. Only a couple more days left of 2022 left. So we're only a few days out from 2023 starting. So can't believe it's already been, the year's already uh, almost over that uh, we're at this point. Years flying, has flown by and, you know, it seems like it gets that way every year that each year flies by more quicker than the last. So here we are at the end of another year. But uh, we got a lot to talk about today concerning some uh particularly some NFL stuff. We got a lot of NFL stuff that has gone down in the last few days that we're going to talk about here. Uh, when we get to the NFL, bowl season is rolling along. So we're going to get a little bit into that as uh, we're getting into the mean potatoes of bowl season, the good stuff with uh, with all these good bowl games coming up. Of course, we got the New Year's Six games coming up. With, of course, the college football playoff semifinals coming up in actually two days. As uh, that's has snuck up on me pretty quick. So, we got that to talk about on this week's show. As we ride off into the sunset of 2022 and head into 2023. So, let's get right on into it. And let's talk about bowl season. And... See where we are with our games. Of course, we've had a few games that have happened here in the last few days. We had a lot of good games happening yesterday with uh, Kansas and Arkansas and Oregon and North Carolina, with those being the big, fun, action-packed games that I think we were hoping that we were going to be getting throughout bowl season. But uh, let's go more in depth into what has gone on since we last talked and we're going to start with the Louisiana and Houston went with Houston on this pick and this was a close game to the end as well with Houston coming all the way back scoring 10 points in the fourth quarter to get the win 23-16 shut out Louisiana in the second half as uh, they knock the Cajuns down to six and seven, and get to eight and five, so Houston wins a close one late as they come back and win the Independence Bowl. Next up, we had Wake Forest going against Mizzou with uh, Sam Hartman playing his last game for Wake Forest as he is in the transfer portal. So this was his last game for Demon Deacons. And it ended up in a win with Wake Forest winning 27-17. Wake Forest going to 8-5. And, and Mizzou falling to 6-7. and seven. Hartman in his last game at Wake, 23-36, 280 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. So that was his final stat line in a Wake Forest uniform. And ended up in a W for them. So that was the Gasparilla Bowl. Coming up with the Hawaii Bowl with Middle Tennessee State and San Diego State. So with this one, of course, in Hawaii, we talked about it last week. No better destination 
uh, than for this game in Hawaii the day before Christmas on Christmas Eve. No better destination. And MTSU ended up winning this one 25-23 and winning a really close one with MTSU winning it in that fourth quarter. Winning only by two points, so it was a high school. It was a action-packed game from the get-go. A really close first half, really close second half. Uh, so a fun game between those two teams on Christmas Eve with MTSU getting to eight and five on the season. So a pretty good season for the Blue Raiders. And I think, if I remember right, yep, went with SDSU on that one. So a little bit more. Uh, a little bit more red here in the spreadsheet than uh, last week, but uh, still, nonetheless, still pretty good considering bowl season with all these games. Uh, next up, we got the quick lane bowl with New Mexico State against Bowling Green. Both teams six and six, looking to get over five hundred on the season. And New Mexico State was the team that did it, winning twenty four to nineteen. And getting to seven and six with Bowling Green putting up a little bit of a comeback uh, late in that fourth quarter, but it was not enough. As the Aggies of New Mexico State get a bowl win here, big time for them. As uh, they finish off their season with a bang and get over 500. Next up, we had the first responder bowl with Memphis going against Utah State. A couple other 6-6 six and six teams with Memphis just having a really good win to close out their season. A statement win, 38-10 to 10 to close out 2022 for them. Uh, Seth Hennigan, uh, 2029, 284, three touchdowns. Really good game from him. And uh, that second quarter for Memphis, scoring 21 points, was probably the knockout punch as Utah State could not find anything on offense to get back into this. And they fall to 6-7 and seven, while Memphis gets a 7-6 and six and gets a really good bowl win heading into 2023. To, you know, we talked about their season. Probably not what they would have wanted, but get a nice blowout win here to close out, this, close out their year. Next up, we got the Birmingham Bowl. We got two Carolina schools with Coastal Carolina and East Carolina battling it out. Uh, I would say it's a battle for the Carolinas, but there's so many Carolina teams, so many teams in those states. It's uh, pretty hard to, you know, you're going to have to get specific on that. So with this one, East Carolina uh, with Coastal Carolina, you had Grayson McCall. Uh, he was entering the portal, but was playing in this game. Uh, he left this game. And so Coastal Carolina was without their starting quarterback and found out what life was like without him, at least for this game. As uh, East Carolina, they completely blew the doors off them, 53-29, and really took over in that second half and made a statement moving to 8-5 and five on the year. Coastal Carolina goes to nine and four, and East Carolina's quarterback Allers, um, what a game from him! Twenty six to thirty eight, three hundred yards passing, five touchdowns. 
So that's a big game from him. Mitchell, the running back, I've seen a lot of talk about him in the last few days as being a guy to watch next year. 22 carries, 127 yards, and a touchdown. So shout out to East Carolina for getting a win over Coastal Carolina and winning this battle of the Carolinas, I guess we should say. Uh, next one up, the guaranteed rate bowl with Wisconsin and Oklahoma State. Uh, no Spencer Sanders in this game as he's moving on. And for Wisconsin, they're in the new era now, the Luke Fickle era. He kind of coached this game and put that in quotation marks. As I don't know if this would count as his first official game. But whatever you want to call it, Wisconsin gets a win 24-17. to Oklahoma State uh, was battling for a lot of this game. Had scored 10 points in the fourth quarter to... Trying to make a comeback, and they try to do it, but Wisconsin outlasts the Cowboys as Wisconsin gets to 7-6 and, and starts off the Luke Fickle era on a pretty good note with uh, Braylon Allen having a really good game, 22 carries, 116 yards, and a touchdown. Going to be the focal point next year of Luke Fickle's first team up in Madison. So Wisconsin gets a win there over Oklahoma State. Next one up, we had Duke and UCF in the Military Bowl and went with UCF on this one. And, you know, I thought, you know, UCF would be able to handle Duke. And Duke proved us wrong here with uh, with them winning 30-13 to and getting a really good win over a UCF team that had a lot of momentum late in this season. And wins 30-13. to 13. Gets a good game out of their quarterback, Riley Leonard. As uh, he did really well. And Duke moves to 9-4. So they get a 9-win team this year. The other game that uh, I had listed on here that happened on Tuesday. But missed. Uh, the Camilla Bowl between Georgia Southern and Buffalo. Went with Georgia Southern on this one. And Buffalo ended up winning... By two, 23-21. Another battle between two 6-6 six and six teams. As uh, Buffalo, the Bulls were able to outlast the Eagles by two points and uh, get a win there in that bowl game. So next one up, we have the Liberty Bowl. And this one was awesome. Uh, Kansas, Arkansas, couple... Questionable calls that could have uh, had Arkansas win this game by a little bit more and put the game out of reach. But uh, Kansas fought its way back in this one, and we got a classic Liberty Bowl. I believe this is the highest scoring Liberty Bowl game in its history. Uh, it's got a lot of history to it, and this is the highest scoring. Uh, and so that definitely says a lot. Uh, 55 to 53, Arkansas winning in double overtime, or actually triple overtime, with the two point conversion failing for Kansas at the end. Uh, just a remarkable game by Jalen Daniels uh, for Kansas. He's going to be a big time factor for them next year. They were really good when he was starting, but when he got a little bit nicked up in the season, uh, Kansas kind of fell off a little bit. But you saw right here why. You know, Kansas started off the season really good, going 5-0. Uh, 37-55, 544 yards, five touchdowns, two picks. 
Uh, KJ Jefferson on the other end for Arkansas. 1929, 287 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. Two touchdowns on the ground, though, for 14 carries and 130 yards. So the quarterbacks had really big days for these two programs. But Arkansas gets the win in a classic Liberty Bowl with them winning in triple overtime. With them fighting off Kansas' comeback after Kansas scored 14 unanswered points, Arkansas wins by two, 55-53. to 53. So we got a really fun Liberty Bowl game on uh, last night. And then we got a really good one with the Holiday Bowl with Oregon and North Carolina, Bo Nix and Drake May battling it out. And you you thought North Carolina was going to have this in the bag. But Oregon, their offense came to life in the last couple of drives for them as they won 28-27. Bo Nix and that offense got rolling there the last couple of drives. Got them up 28-27. to Almost makes an extra point. It doinked off the right upright and you're like uh oh but uh it went in north carolina tried to get itself in a uh in a good position right there let's try to go win it throw the hail mary but doesn't happen for them oregon wins this ball game and uh they get to 10 wins in dan lanning's first season there at oregon and uh north carolina looking towards next year with uh may who's going to be really highly thought of in the upcoming 24 draft. And uh, so a couple things going on there for them. Then we got Ole Miss and Texas Tech. And this one was a shocker with uh, with Texas Tech uh, really blowing the doors off of Ole Miss. Uh, Ole Miss did try to make it somewhat respectable there towards the end. But Texas Tech winning... 42 to 25. Probably not as close as as the score would say it was. But a really good game from Texas Tech. They just gave their head coach, Joey McGuire, extension one year in. And so this is really good momentum for the Red Raiders as they go to 8-5 and and Ole Miss. I mean, they look good to start the season, but at the end of the season, uh, really kind of tailed off here and uh it showed here in this ball game so texas tech gets some win 42 to 25 so so far not too bad here for bowl season uh got a couple other games that are going to be happening later today in fact i want to say one of them is probably happening right about now or will be happening when this pod goes up well it's happening right now as we're taping this uh syracuse and minnesota is happening right now and also you got oklahoma florida state here a little bit later and uh those should be a couple interesting bowl games here that's a pinstripe bowl and the cheese it's bowl the alamo bowl is going to close us out tonight with texas and washington that should be a really fun one in uh in san antonio so that's going to be how bowl season is going to close out for this week on the pod, but we got a lot of other fun, interesting games that we're going to pick. As far as the three we have today, Minnesota went with them, Florida State went with them. Now, as far as the Alamo Bowl, wait to make a pick on this one because I knew the pod was going to go up 
way before this was this game was going to happen. So with that being said, let's talk about it. Texas coming in, ranked number 20, 8-4 on the year. Washington, ranked 12th, coming in at 10-2. And, and so Washington is coming in here with a lot of momentum with how they finished their season, and Texas as well. And Washington got much needed news with Michael Penix saying he's going to come back for 2023 so that's huge news for him for texas no bajon robinson this game he's gonna sit this one out as he's headed off to the nfl so being being interesting for a texas fan to look at the running back room for next season as far as texas is concerned they are favored in this game by about three points um Really don't know how well their defense will be able to stop Washington's offense. Really high-powered offense. Average over 40 points a game. Averaged well over 500 yards per game. And they don't give up a whole lot of yards either. It's about the same as how many Texas gives up. Uh, so with that being said, I think I'm going to take Washington to win this bowl game and win the Alamo Bowl and get – 11 win season uh, so that'll be good for them heading off into 23 got the mayo bowl and yes whoever wins this game the coach is going to get a mayo bath shout out to coach beamer at uh, south carolina for getting that started but uh that's going to be happening whoever to whichever coach wins this game so it's going to be mike loxley or dave Doran. they're going to be getting a mayo bath by, by the end of this game, whoever wins it. Uh, I do feel a lot, a lot better about Maryland for this game. I had to see if uh, the spread agrees with my feelings on that. And let's see. No, they actually got NC State as small favorite here. But, uh, you know, NC State... Not the team I think a lot of people were expecting. Of course, when Devin Leary gets hurt, that's going to happen. Um, so I'm going to go with Maryland here to win this game. As a, you know, their offense puts up a lot more yards, puts up a lot more points. So I'm going to go with the Terrapins to win the Mayo Bowl and with Loxley getting the Mayo bath. Uh, next up, we got the Sun Bowl between Pitt and UCLA. Should be a fun game between these two. And got to feel pretty good about picking UCLA here to win this one in El Paso. And, yeah, they're pretty good favorites. Pitt, I don't know their quarterback situation. Keaton Slovis is, is transferred out. He's going to BYU. Uh, so I feel great about picking UCLA in this one. Just a high-powered offense. Don't know if Pitt's defense is going to be able to stop them. And so I have UCLA winning this game and getting 10 wins this year. If they win this one, this would be win number 10 and a really good momentum heading off into 2023 as a, you know, no DTR next year, but they got a five-star quarterback and Dante Moore coming in next year and Chip Kelly's offense. So that should be fun for UCLA fans 
And uh, what better way to send DTR off than getting a 10-win season and winning this one? Gator Bowl, Notre Dame and South Carolina, number 21 Notre Dame against number 19 South Carolina. Both teams, 8-4, and four, really finished the seasons off, their respective seasons off pretty well for the most part, especially South Carolina beating Tennessee, beating Clemson, which that's going to be a game we're going to be talking about here in a quick minute. Uh, but these two teams... Uh, had a lot of up, had some ups, had some downs, but had some really high points late in this season for them that they can build off of. And this could be a pretty good win for South Carolina, taking down Notre Dame as a, as it would get them to nine wins, getting some really good momentum heading off into next season. Um, then Notre Dame. Really good momentum heading into Marcus Freeman's second season. But, uh, you know, for this one, I think I'm going to take the team that's been hot here recently. I think I'm going to take the Gamecocks. They've been hot. They've found somewhat of an identity on offense. Got some really good playmakers. So I'll take South Carolina here to win this one. Next up, we got the Arizona Bowl between Ohio and Wyoming. And Ohio is coming in at 9-4. They're seeking a 10-win season. Wyoming is seeking a 8-win season to close off 2022. And Ohio is a favorite right now. And looking at their stats, not hard to see why. They average more points than Wyoming, uh, have a better offense than Wyoming, have a lot more yards. They do give up a lot of yards. So that's something to keep in mind and see if Wyoming is going to be able to do that. But uh, I think I'm going to go with Ohio. I'm going to I'm going to pick the Bobcats here and have them get to ten wins here. Next up, the most orange Orange Bowl. I hope I hope that's proper grammar. The most orange Orange Bowl that we could ever have: Tennessee and Clemson. Uh, Tennessee wearing orange jerseys and white pants Clemson white jerseys and orange pants so <laughs> it it really is the the most orange bowl that you could get with uh Tennessee coming in at 10 and 2 Clemson 11 and 2 winning the ACC uh should be an interesting game as far as you know Matt made the point of you know these games feeling more like sort of preseason games more like spring games as to see what you got um, heading into the upcoming season, and I'm I really get down I'm down with that uh, point that he has made, and particularly for this game, I think it's a really good point uh, for Clemson. Cade Klubnick, his first start, you don't have a lot of your guys on defense: Brian Bercy, Miles Murphy, you know Trent Simpson. I don't know if any of those guys are going to play. I don't think Murphy's going to play. Um, and for Tennessee, of course, no hooker. He's hurt. Tillman, Hyatt, they're opting out. A couple other guys for Tennessee are staying in and playing this game, but leaving for the draft. So it is going to be kind of like a preseason game for both these teams, particularly on for both their offenses. Uh, for Tennessee, seeing what the offense is like under Joe Milton against a really good Clemson team that even though they might be without their defensive stars, uh, real, should be a really good test 
for him and for Klubnik first start in a bowl game against the defense that has had a lot of ups and downs this year, uh, particularly has had some downs here in the last couple games. So it should be a fun one down in Miami. Uh, we'll see if Joe Milton is going to be able to throw a football 110 yards uh, compared to what he did with an orange. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Um, you know, I you know it's the end of the year. I can't pick against my team. I, I'm going to roll with them one more time before we head off into the new year. Uh, this would be a really good win for them, get 11 wins against a team that had – that won the ACC, has seen a lot of success. But I think it's going to be a close one. Um, so, yeah. Um, now, let's get on, you know, you know, hold up on that. Let's, we'll finish up off the semi, with the semifinals. Let's hold off on those two uh, for now. And let's move on to the Music City Bowl between Iowa and Kentucky. And let me tell you what, on at Nissan Stadium, yeah, these two teams deserve to play each other in this game with uh, with a lack of offense that field has seen this season. Uh, but Iowa and Kentucky in the Music City Bowl, as uh, that's going to be happening on New Year's Eve, uh, going to be one of the early ones along with Alabama and Kansas State, and we'll get to that one here up next. But uh, if I had to make a suggestion for this game, if you are a better, is to bet the under. And the over-under right now is around 31. I don't even know if I feel comfortable about taking that. So I might go under on that one. Uh, Will Levis not going to play in this game, getting ready for the draft. So uh, should be an ugly game for... The Music City Bowl. I'll take Kentucky here to beat Iowa and uh, win a low-scoring game again. It's not going to be fun. It, it's probably going to be dreadful. Uh, but I'll take the Wildcats there to win a low-scoring game and get to eight wins. Now I'm going to Alabama and Kansas State. Big-time factor for this one. Bryce Young and Will Anderson are playing in this game, as uh, you would expect with those two guys being potential top five picks to sit out. They're suiting up one more time for the Crimson Tide and playing in the Sugar Bowl against a Kansas State team that has played really well this season. 10-3 uh, has gotten some pretty good quarterback play from whoever's behind center, whether it's Martinez or Howard. Got some really good quarterback play out of them. Deuce Vaughn is a playmaker for that offense. And on the other side, you got Jameer Gibbs, who's a playmaker for Alabama's offense. Uh, I think this one, I think, is pretty straightforward. I am picking Alabama to win this game. Uh, if Kansas State does put up a little bit of fight, I wouldn't be surprised, but I think Alabama takes this game in the end. So give me Alabama here to win this game and uh, get to 11 wins and send Bryce and Will off on a high note onto the NFL. And again, those two guys 
you know, we see a lot of guys opting out, and it was kind of surprised to see those two guys, you know, staying in, opting in to this ball game, and uh, suiting up one more time. So uh, kind of nice to see a changing of the guard right there to what we've seen here recently. Um, so that's gonna; those are going to be two the other games besides the uh, CFP semifinals. We got on January 2nd. We don't have any New Year's Day games with uh, New Year's Day being on Sunday, but we got some NFL action to re replace some of that, so don't you worry. Uh, on January 2nd, we got four games, and these are going to be for the final games before we get to the semifinals. We got Mississippi State at Illinois. They're playing against Illinois, and the Rella Quest Bowl at Tampa, Florida. And I believe this, uh, the name changed, uh, you know, I think this was the Outback Bowl and uh, the name change. Uh, but for this one, um, Mississippi State, they're playing with heavy hearts with losing to Mike Leach. Um, just tragic right there. And they said they want to play in this game and said Leach would want them to play in this game. And that's what they're doing. And so they're playing in this game against Illinois, um, the first game up on January 2nd. And, you know, Illinois had a really good season, really good defense. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Mississippi State and uh, take them. I think they'll want this one for Coach Leach, and I think they'll get it, so. Give me Mississippi State to win this one. one. At the Citrus Bowl between LSU and Purdue, uh, one interesting aspect about this is Kayshawn Boutte uh, was saying, hey, I'm coming back for 23. Now has changed his mind as as year. So a little bit of a change there. Uh, but So LSU is going to be going into this game without him. But they do have Jaden Daniels playing in this game, and he's going to be coming back next season. So that's going to be big for LSU. He found some success within this offense. It's their run to the SEC title game. And they're facing off against a Purdue team that was in the Big Ten Championship, had a lot of success with Aiden O'Connell and that offense. Uh, LSU, big-time favorites in this game, 14-and-a-half. I don't know if I've seen that big of a spread for any of these bowl games. So I think it, it's pretty sick to say I'm going to pick LSU to win this game and win the Cheez-Its Bowl, get to 10 wins in Brian Kelly's first year, and build up some momentum heading off into year two. Next up, we got the Cotton Bowl Classic, and we got Tulane. That's right, Tulane facing off a, a Jerry World, no less. With both teams coming in at 11-2, both teams having a couple really good offenses. Tulane having a little bit better defense than USC, but USC does get a lot of turnovers. So that's something to keep in mind. Not as USC is a small favorite in this game. But uh, you know, looking at Tulane, I think this will be a fun game. So that should tell you something about these two offenses. Should be a lot of scoring, should be a lot of fun. At Jerry World, uh, I am taking USC, and it might simply because it's Lincoln Riley. He's got the best quarterback, probably the best quarterback, regardless of class here, 
who's going to be coming out in 24, and Caleb Williams, the Heisman Trophy winner. So I will take the Trojans here to get the 12 wins in Lincoln Riley's first season and build up, build up next year with, again, a guy that's probably the best quarterback in the country in Caleb Williams. Then finally, you know, this is fitting before we head off into the semifinals, the Rose Bowl between Penn State and Utah. Here's thoughts on this game, or I'll have to ask him about that before this uh, this game gets started. But uh, kind of a, the last traditional Rose Bowl game as we know it, kind of. Uh, Penn State, Sean Clifford's last game. I know Peter's saying hallelujah to that uh, as that era is now over. Uh, they're facing off against a Utah team that was really hot here and won the Pac-12 championship, beating USC twice this year. And so Utah has a really good team with Cameron Rising, their quarterback, who's really good. A couple good tight ends, especially Dalton Kincaid. Really solid defense here. And Utah is a small favorite in this game. Both these teams put up a lot of points, and both these teams are stingy on defense. So be really interesting to see how both these defenses play against the other's offense. Um, you know, I th also think it would be fitting if I went against Penn State to end the year. I think Peter would also find it pretty fitting. So I'm going with Utah here to win this one. A win, win, win. These semifinals, and of course, those are the ones that uh, we're all focused on. And first up, we got the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl between Georgia and Ohio State, as I believe that is going to be our first game up on, no, that's going to be our second game up on, on Saturday. So let's talk about the first game up between these two. Uh, TCU at, against Michigan at Glendale, Arizona for the Fiesta Bowl. Really contrasting styles here between the two. TCU, the high-flying type of offense, has put up a lot of points. Michigan, a team that's put up a lot of points, but in a different way, different style, leans on that running game, get a couple big plays out of J.J. McCarthy, but really kind of an NFL-style team right here. And so really contrasting styles here. One of the more favorite type of games to cover is these two teams that just have different styles but they both excel in them. And that's what these teams do. TCU coming in at 12-1, losing in the Big 12 title game. Michigan finishing 13-0 with a statement win over Ohio State to close out the regular season and beating, and beating Purdue to win the Big 10 title game. Just a really fun season by both these teams. Uh, TCU, you start to wonder if they're the team of destiny and uh, maybe they can get a win over Michigan. Uh, Michigan, their defense is really stingy. Again, it's an NFL style of defense. You saw what they did to Ohio State, and their offense were able to keep them in check. And that running game with Donovan Edwards and J.J. McCarthy making a couple big-time plays was huge. No Blake Corm in this game, but uh, they Michigan has looked fine without him so far. Um, and TCU, you got your known weapons with Kendra Miller and Quentin Johnston out wide. And then, of course, the offense led by Max Dugan, Heisman finalist, having an awesome year. Wasn't the starter, 
got put into into a game and just never looked back the rest of the season. Uh, So really fun, interesting game between these two programs. I do think I'm going to have to go and pick Michigan here. Uh, Their defense, again, just really stingy. Got a lot of really good players on that side of the ball. And I expect J.J. McCarthy's going to make a big player too with his arm or with his legs. Uh, maybe he makes one. Uh, maybe makes a big time play with one with his legs and makes a big time play with his arm. Uh, but I expect we'll have a couple moments there. And also, I expect we'll see Michigan just absolutely relentlessly running the ball at TCU at their front seven and just wearing them down. And so I will take Michigan to beat TCU and clinch their spot in the title game. Now let's get to Georgia and Ohio State. For this one, I kind of look at the Georgia-Tennessee game that we had earlier in the season. You know, Ohio State has a very similar offense, very fast-paced, put up a lot of points, had a really efficient quarterback to do it. And I kind of look at this game plan that they had against Tennessee, and I expect to see a lot of it against Ohio State. Seeing a lot of the same coverage they played against these wide receivers and seeing that defense put a lot of pressure on C.J. Stroud, uh, particularly up front with Jalen Carter, who's probably going to be a top three pick and uh, be, be a really rich man here in a few months that they're going to get inside pressure and they're going to force C.J. Stroud to move out the pocket, which it is he's not comfortable doing that. That's not his M.O. And uh, you saw Michigan do a lot of interesting things on defense, really force C.J. into some difficult moments for him. And so I expect to see a similar game plan from the Georgia-Tennessee game in this one, with Georgia taking a lot of what they did in that game and applying it to this one and pressuring CJ to make some off schedules throws and runs that he probably doesn't want to make more of like pocket passer, but uh, get some pressure on him. That offensive line of Ohio state is solid. As far as pass pro is concerned, they're solid. Uh, the running game. I mean, you've had Trayvon Henderson hurt all well, a lot this year. Mayan Williams has been hurt a little bit this year. So the running game, I think, is going to be a big-time factor for Ohio State if they can get it going and uh, see if they can protect C.J. Stroud. As far as the, their defense is concerned, seeing if J.T. Tui Molau gets uh, red hot in this game, as he has here in the last few weeks. Um, but... I think it's going to be hard not to pick against Georgia. Out of these two teams, Georgia's looked like the better team all year. So I'm anticipating a matchup between Georgia and Michigan, a rematch of last year's semifinal where Georgia knocked off Michigan to head to the title game, where we're going to see a couple of teams that have, I guess you can call it a throwback-style offense, where just really physical offenses that will punch you in the mouth. So that's what I anticipate our title game will be. So we'll see if that's going to be right here in a couple days. So with that being said, 
Let's move on from college football and let's talk a little bit of NFL. And, you know, we can kind of weave these stories into the games that have happened here recently. And, uh, you know, I think we can save one bit of news here for uh, for this up week's upcoming slate. But, you know, what? let's start off with Nathaniel Hackett and what's going on in Denver uh you know it's kind of a kind of a rough look when you when the guy you picked to win coach of the year gets fired not even with with the season not even done um it kind of a bad look right there but uh Daniel Hackett done after 15 games and after that game against the Rams on you know what was it Sunday on Christmas Day I think it, it was about time. And, you know, it's just this whole season for the Broncos has been pretty much a disaster with Russ not looking like himself. And, of course, he got the ramifications of the trade that the Broncos and Seahawks did where the Broncos trade all, all these picks. And so now you're heading towards the end of this season and you got to hire another coach. And you look at all the talk about what Russ has been like since he's been in Denver. And you see all these quotes from former Seattle players that have talked about him. And you look at this head coach opening and you really start to wonder what's going to be the best hire. Is it going to be a young upstart guy on offense and on an OC? Is it going to be one another defensive guy? Maybe that won't take any crap from Russ if that indeed is the problem. You know, or, you know, we're just a straight up guy that has experience that's not going to deal with it. And we'll see if this is going to happen. But you know, Sean Payton is rumored to want to come back and coach, and he's assembling an all-star staff and Vic Fangio who was coach at Denver um, just about a year ago. He's tapping him as his DC, so it would be kind of like a welcome back type of moment for Fangio, as he already knows a lot of the players there. And so maybe that could be a solution right there, where you get Sean Payton, who's an offensive guy, and there's some pieces there in Denver to be excited about. But you got to work with that offensive line uh, has allowed the most sacks in the league this year. Uh, you got to be able to protect Russ. They got some weapons. You got Tim Patrick, who was hurt this year. You got Judy, Cortland Sutton, Hamler. Uh, you got Javante Williams coming back next year. We'll have to see how he looks after an ACL injury. Um, but it's definitely an option. So I think for Denver, I think what you're looking at next is maybe not going to, not going to hire a young upstart OC who to work with Russ. I think your, your next coach is probably going to be someone who's a lot more experienced, who knows what he's doing and is not going to take any crap from Russ. And, uh, try to right the ship here because 
you're looking at all those draft picks you traded, and like you look at that Seattle pick for this year. That's a top three pick right now. It's it's at number three right now, where Seattle, who has had a decent season, but has had its ups and downs, can add an impact player like a Jalen Carter, like a Will Anderson, or if they want to go quarterback, get somebody like Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud and have their quarterback of the future in place. And you, you look at where that pick is, and like, okay, well, like, we can't let this happen this year, next year or years after that, you know. So Denver's in a really tricky spot. You never want to fire a first-year head coach 15 games in when the season's not even done, but after what happened on Sunday, I think, yeah, you had to. It's just, there's no other choice. And also, but, and also moving on to this, um, let's see, who the Cardinals play um, on Sun, on Saturday, rather. I, I forget last week was Christmas, and most of these games were played on Saturday. But J.J. Uh, Watt announced that it looked like he was hanging his cleats up and that he is going to be officially retiring. Um, played against Tampa on Sunday, on Christmas Eve. First game his daughter got to go oh, see, his young daughter got to go see, and uh, mentioned it was going to be his final home game uh, against Tampa, where Tampa ended up winning 19-16. to had a couple big plays in that one. Arizona kind of let themselves down at the end, and Tampa wins by three. But that was his final home game, and he's going to call it a career. And only just 33. And so really kind of young to kind of call it a career. But what a career it's been. A perennial defensive player of the year for a number of years, particularly on the Texans. And there's just been the consummate pro here since he entered the league from Wisconsin. Um, and the, when the Texans got him, I don't know if they quite knew what they got there, but they got a guy that was a defensive player of the year, was somebody you had to consider as one of the top players, not only just on defense, but in general in the league with what he did and so he's definitely a hall of famer for sure in a few years when he's up for that maybe first ballot we'll have to see but with the stuff he did in his career it's definitely worthy of that uh one point though you do wonder again he's at 33 and you do wonder if he could take the gronkowski route where he says he he's retiring this year you're at this point, or maybe a couple weeks ago, where there's like five games left, and a contender calls and says, hey, we want you to come play these last few games and see if we can have you come be on this contending team and try to get a ring. You do wonder if that's a possibility. Don't know if he's going to be that type of guy like Gronk that's going to want to do that, but it is a thought to put out there. But uh, congratulations, J.J., on an awesome career. I'm, I know he made a lot of plays against my Titans, but 
a couple of them were really spectacular too. Can't lie about that. Um, but just a well-earned, uh, really well, well-performed career from a, a guy that was one of the best offensive players in the league for a number of years. And, you know, I guess we can talk about this next piece of news before we dive into a little bit more of the games, but uh, Derek Carr is not going to play these last couple games for the Las Vegas Raiders. Jared Stidham is going to be quarterback one for these last couple games against San Francisco and against Kansas City. So congratulations, Jared. You get to go against two of the best teams in the league. But uh, for Derek Carr, going to be sitting out, is going to be stepping away from the Raiders, not being a distraction. But you can kind of can say it's kind of a distraction with a lot of talk about this. And for Derek Carr, whose contract the Raiders can easily get out of, and, you know, not the, but, you know, with these contracts, you got to worry about, like, how much money can we save, but also how much is it going to affect the cap with all the dead money? And it's not going to be a whole lot with this contract. And so now you start to wonder, well, what's the next step for Derek Carr and what's the next step for the Raiders? As for the Raiders, let's start with them. You start to look at the quarterbacks in free agency and in the draft and you wonder, do you go after Tom Brady, who might be the only guy Devontae Adams might want to play with and might actually stay? Um, do you go after Jimmy G, who's got some experience with Josh McDaniels? Or do you go the, uh, the draft route and get a young quarterback of the future and get somebody like Bryce Young if you're able to trade up and get him if he if he's not number one. Or do you go and trade to get CJ Stroud? Or do you take a chance on somebody like Anthony Richardson? You know, or Will Levis. You know, there's a lot of young quarterbacks that it just depends on where the Raiders are at at the end of the season and where they are in the draft order. So the Raiders do have options. And again, if Brady, I can see, is the only guy Adams would stay for. As far as any other quarterback, I think Adams would probably want to move to a team that if it's not with Carr, is a team that is a contender and is looking at winning the Super Bowl next year. So in that case... It's going to be a double whammy for the Raiders. As far as Carr is concerned, I think there'll be a decent market for him. You could see a lot of teams that could potentially use him. Uh, Jets come to mind immediately to where just add him in there. They got some nice weapons there on offense, got a solid offensive line, got a really awesome defense. And Carr has not had great defenses when he's been at Oakland slash Las Vegas. And, you know, kind of looking at this year, they're not a good pass rushing team, but that's kind of crazy when you got Chandler Jones and Max Crosby. So going to a Jets team might actually be good for them. Maybe Washington. 
Uh, Tanner Heineke, they're moving on from him. Carson Wentz is now starting again. Maybe Washington's a place for him. Maybe Tampa, if Tom goes to uh, to to Las Vegas. Maybe it's kind of a swap, kind of. Um, maybe Tennessee's on the table. Um, Indianapolis, although it depends on if Indianapolis just wants to stop getting veteran quarterbacks and go after somebody young, somebody that's something they haven't done in a few years now. Um, depends on if they're tired of going that route. But uh, there are options on the table for Derek Carr. And, you know, it, it again does depend on what the Raiders do, if what their quarterback situation does. Devontae Adams one out or maybe Waller once out or somebody. Um, it would depend. But uh, the offseason just got a lot more interesting with uh, with this move as it looks like probably Derek Carr has played his last game in a Raiders uniform and uh, is moving on in 2023 along with the Raiders. So moving on from those bits of news, uh, let's get on to the games. And uh, talk about them. Uh, speaking of the Jets, we have the Thursday night game. Jaguars, Jets. Jaguars just red hot right now. Uh, not a high-scoring affair between these two teams. Uh, but Jaguars did enough to get the win, 19-3. to um, Not a hugely spectacular game from Trevor. But a really solid game plan. Um Jets, Zach Wilson, it looks like the end is there. It looks like that that's not it. It's not gonna happen anymore. It's done. And uh Jags, they moved to seven and eight. And uh are top the AFC South. So that was the Thursday night game. Then we got into the Christmas Eve games. We had the Seahawks at Chiefs in this one. And Chiefs, even though not a dominant performance by them by them again you know with this past weekend the weather was just kind of crazy so it was crazy cold had snow just didn't know what you were going to expect uh but the chiefs win 24 to 10 over seattle and uh get a win there to move to 12 and 3 and say top the afc but things can get a lot more interesting at the top of the AFC. Uh, next up, we got Vikings, Giants. Vikings coming off that huge comeback win. I wonder if it's going to be a little bit of a hangover or not. But the Vikings end up winning this one 27-24 off of a 61-yard field goal by Greg Joseph. Uh, a kick he never made that he had never made in a game from that distance before and he knocks it through and the giants are 11 and 0 in one score games that stat straight up absurd never heard of that stat before of a team being that good in one score games in college or pros and so the vikings they get their 12th win the season move to 20 move to 12 and 3 but uh, not a bad game from the Giants. I mean, Daniel Jones, I 
threw for over 330 yards in this game. I don't know the last time I saw Danny Dimes throw for over 300 yards. But uh solid game from the Giants. But, again, the Vikings are just unbeatable when it's a one-score game this season. It, they they did, just can't be beat. Next up, we got the Bengals against the Patriots. You know, I expected this one with uh, with the weather, the, where the Bengals might not put up a lot of offensive stats. It might favor New England a little bit more. Uh, well, Joe Burrow did throw for 375, so there's that. Uh, three touchdowns, two picks. Uh, Mac, a solid game from him, but again, a lot of the, with Mac, a lot of the talk has been like, has Mac Jones been a dirty player? So that's been the talk from the Patriots here recently. Uh, but Bengals win 22 to 18, get to 11 and 4. T. Higgins, another good game from him. Uh, Burrow, again, good game from him. Uh, but Patriots fall to 7 and 8. Bengals move to 11 and 3. Next up, you got the 49ers. Going against the Commanders, wondered if Chase Young was going to make an impact with him being back in the lineup for Washington. And it was not, as San Francisco won 37-220. Just a standout second half from San Francisco, uh, scoring 30 points to Washington's 13 in that second half. Uh, Heineke got some time, but then Wentz came in. Uh, Purdy turned it on in the second half and did what he has been doing uh, a lot in his starts for the 49ers. So the Niners moved to 11-4. Washington falls to 7-7-1. Seven, seven, and one. and uh, they're still alive in the playoff hunt. Next up, we had the Eagles at Cowboys. I went with the Cowboys on this one. And it was a really fun game. Eagles, no Jalen Hurts, but you had Gardner Minshew in this game. And he looked pretty solid for the most part. Uh, Philly, a lot of turnovers for Philly. And a lot of them were in uh, Dallas territory. And it gave the Cowboys prime opportunity to go and make that those opportunities count for them. And so four turnovers for the Dallas defense helps them out. Dak looked really good in this game, 27-35, 347, three touchdowns and a pick. Uh, C.D. Lamb had an amazing game, 10 catches, 120 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, Devontae Smith, good game from him, eight catches, 113 yards, and two touchdowns. But those stats for Philly were not enough. A couple crucial turnovers. Did not help them as Dallas gets a big win, 40 to 34. And, uh, you know, it's still possible for them to get into the get into the top of the NFC East. So we'll see what happens with that. Saturday night, we had the Raiders at Steelers. Speaking of the Raiders, uh, Steelers come back in this game with Kenny Pickett leading a really good game-winning drive to get the Steelers into position to go and win the game, you know, win this game in honor of Franco Harris, who, who they celebrated on Saturday night by retiring his jersey. So the Steelers 
go to seven and eight, winning thirteen to ten over the Raiders, who again got the 49ers and Chiefs coming up with Jared Sidham there, so might not be looking good. A couple Christmas Day games to talk about. Uh, mentioned the Buccaneers and Cardinals game. Bucks won that one in overtime. Probably a little bit tougher game than Tom would like, but I think he'll take the win. Uh, Bucks moved to seven and eight as they win nineteen to sixteen in overtime over Cardinals. Packers at Dolphins. This is probably the best Christmas game that we had in the NFL as far as three games we got with green base find themselves in this playoff hunt. They are not dead yet. Uh, moving to seven and eight, winning 26 to 20 and Tua, not a good game. As far as his standards go, did throw for over 300 yards, but threw three picks and ended up in concussion protocol for the second time this year. I mean, you're worried about the guy. You gotta be second concussion for him this year. Second time he's in been in concussion protocol. You're obviously worried about that, and you do wonder: Do you have a safety in mind for the long term, or you know, or what? So a lot of concern going on uh, with Tua. But Packers move to seven and eight, winning. 26 20 and then the monday night game chargers at colts uh chargers defense played really well herbert this is what happens when you have a guy like herbert behind center and colts did pretty much a whole lot of nothing on offense chargers win 20 to 3 and clinch a spot to the playoffs they haven't been to the playoffs in a few years Kind of a shocking stat, but they're in the playoffs. And so that was week number 16. Only got one game wrong. It was the Packers-Dolphins game. Uh, so looking at it, last couple weeks, we've only got three games wrong. Um, so not looking too bad. Let's see if we can keep that streak alive as we head into week 17. Cowboys at Titans. Guys, take the Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably going to be the easiest pick of the year, uh, whether you're somebody that likes to bet or whether you're somebody like me that is picking games like this for fun or whether it's in a pick em league like I'm in. Uh, take the Cowboys. Like, just take them. Don't question it. Sure, the Cowboys might have a game every now and then where they might do something weird, but just take them. No Tony Pollard for them tonight, so Zeke is probably going to get some carries here, a little bit more than usual. Uh, but seems like everybody for the Cowboys is playing. Everybody from the Titans is not, as uh, it looks like they're resting a lot of guys. And uh, Josh Dobbs, the ball legend himself, <laughs> return the king, as I put in the group chat, is uh, is starting this game and getting Malik ready for uh, for next week as a. Uh, think it's more about keeping Malik healthy and making sure that they don't have to roll out Dobbs next week in a game where the vision is on the line. And so essentially the Titans are punting this game as uh, everybody's sitting out and this is going to be our Thursday night game. So <laughs> it's going to be a, going to be a rough one. 
uh, for uh, for this one. So take the Cowboys. Just just do it. It probably the safest bet you'll have all season for this one. Bears at Lions. Lions still got a lot to play for. Uh, Bears, they have had their fun moments this year, but they are three and twelve. Uh, Lions have caught and kind of fallen off here in uh, in recent weeks, but uh, I think I'll take them to bounce back this week uh, in in a division game, which you never know; these division games can be a little bit weird. But uh, I will take the Lions to win this game with a huge matchup on the line the following week at Green Bay for potentially a playoff spot. So I'll take the Lions here to win this one. Next up, Dolphins at Patriots. Teddy Bridgewater is going to be the quarterback for Dolphins here. Patriots, I think they're still somehow in the, the playoff conversation. Still a whole lot in the AFC to be figured out. And you do wonder how Miami's offense is going to look without Tua behind center. But if there's a backup quarterback I think you can trust, it's Teddy Bridgewater. Um, with that being you know, I I think I will take the Dolphins here to win this one. I might end up being wrong on this one. Um, I might be wrong on all these games, but, you know, I, I'll take the Dolphins here. I don't feel great about it, but... I'll, I'll take the Dolphins. Uh, Browns at Commanders. Carson's back in the starting role. Don't know how great I feel about it. You also don't know how great you feel about the Browns since Deshaun has taken over as the starter. Um, just a whole lot of eh in, in this game. Uh, Washington is favored uh, slightly in this game. Yeah, you know, it's one of these games where you're going to have to make a pick. So I, I'll i pick Washington. I'll pick Washington, but probably for the sake of their defense. Um, so I'll take the Commanders. Next up, a big one at Lambeau. Going to be two big games at Lambeau in back-to-back weeks. Minnesota going to the Packers. Aaron Rodgers has not practiced a whole lot this week. You don't know if... Uh, how 100% he is, but then again, not everybody's 100% in the league at this point. So I expect he'll play, and, you know, it would be so Packers and Aaron Rodgers of those two to win these two games and find a way into the playoffs. And, you know, there's been a good argument to where maybe the Packers, they have nothing to lose. There's no pressure on them if they're like a six or seven seed rather than a top three seed in the playoffs where there's not a whole lot of pressure on them if they're a six or seven seed. So honestly might be the best for them. And last time the Packers made the Super Bowl run, they were a lower seed. And uh, I doubt that'll play out this time, but still something to think about. And I expect Minnesota's going to be favored in this game. Again, they've been good in one score games. Kirk has actually been really good as led these comebacks and done a really good job. Justin Jefferson should be in the MVP conversation. But I don't know. Something's telling me to pick the Packers. So I think I'll take the Packers here 
you know, after last week not picking the Packers, I'll pick them this week and I'll be screwed over. Uh, 49ers at Raiders. Probably another easy pick for me. Uh, I don't expect to see a whole lot out of Jared Stidham. And uh, again, Raiders, not a good pass rushing team. I think the 49ers are going to do well in this game. And so I'll take them. Jets at Seahawks, battle of seven and eight teams. But the Jets are getting their favorite son back in, in Mike White after uh, just getting getting a whole boatload of injuries uh, a couple weeks ago. And so he's back under center uh, at Seattle. And Seattle, while at home, they are not favored in this game. The Jets are a small favorite in this game. And you cannot deny they've looked significantly better with anybody other than Zach Wilson under center, particularly with Mike White. So you know what? I'm going to roll with the Jets here. I'm going to roll with the Jets and Mike White. You go to Seattle and win this one. Rams at Chargers. You know, despite the Rams scoring 51 against Denver, yeah, Denver, the one bright spot for them has been their defense. I mean, take that with a huge grain of salt. And I'll take the Chargers and this one pretty easily. As I, I do want to see what the what the line is for this one. And yeah, okay, yeah, about what I expect. So yeah, Chargers in this one. Sunday night football, this one got flexed into the Sunday night slot with Steelers at Ravens. Still no Lamar Jackson. But uh the Steelers are, are still not out of it completely. They're still in the hunt. And, you know, the Ravens, they're still not out of the AFC North title hunt. They got an opportunity to still win the division. And so this is a particularly big game for both teams. And seeing what uh, they can do and see that the Ravens can win the division, Steelers can win and, can, and get into the playoffs. So division game between two AFC North teams, you know, some things are about to go down, and uh, oh boy, I'm going to be hearing it from from either Matt or Peter if I pick against the the other. Well, probably more so from Matt, but you know, Peter, I don't know if he cares about the Steelers right now. Just kind of eh, uh, you know, about this team. But uh, I I think this will be a low scoring game. Let me take a look at line thirty five. Okay, this will be a low-scoring game. I'll take the Ravens here. And then we got our Monday night game. One of the biggest Monday night games I think we talked about here on the pod with Bills and Bengals, and a lot is on the line for this one. For the Bengals, there is still a sliver of a chance to get the number one seed and get that by. But with as hot as they've been, Maybe you don't want the one seed. But it's still up for grabs. Still on the table. And it's on the table for the Bills, too. As both those teams hold the tiebreaker over the Chiefs by being them earlier in the season. So there's still a possibility. This game is big, and I believe 
the Bengals win this game, they would move ahead of the Bills, uh, you know, due to the head-to-head and the Bengals, with the Bengals winning this game. And, you know, if the Bills win this game, Bengals, depending on what happens in the Ravens-Steelers game, they still got to fight for the division with uh, the Ravens and Bengals playing in the final week of the season. So a couple big games for the Bengals here coming up. Um, so this will be one of the best Monday night games that we've had in a long time. Probably for, we probably won't have a game like this on Monday night for a while after this one. With these two young quarterbacks going at it, really good teams. I do have a little bit more trust in the Bengals, even though they did just lose their right tackle, uh, Lyle Collins, for the season. That, I think, is going to hurt. They, the offense line was starting to gel. They were doing a good job of protecting Joe. I, I'll take the Bengals to win this game. If they win this game, they move to the number two spot, which means they would host a couple playoff games at home should they win in the first round. In the in the wild card round, so that is week number seventeen in the books. That is this podcast in the books, everybody. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, just in general, thank you all for tuning in throughout this year. It's been a blast as always. Uh, talking to you guys about what's going on in the world of sports, and we are going to be continuing to do that here in twenty twenty three. And twenty twenty three is uh, is going to be a fun year as well with uh, a lot of stuff to talk about up at the top of the year with the national championship, NFL playoffs, getting more into the NBA season. Just a lot of fun stuff happening at the start of the year. So looking forward to next year, everybody, with all of you. Uh, So with that being said, thank you all for tuning in. Be sure to go check us out where you guys get your podcasts. Check out the entertainment channel. Speaking of the entertainment channel, probably we'll be doing sort of a year uh, close out pod for that one and looking at some of my favorite stuff this year and looking at some of the stuff to look at for next year so be on the lookout for that one probably will be doing that one tomorrow so be on the lookout on the entertainment channel for that one but with that being said everybody that's all i have for you all today so happy new year hope you all have a wonderful and great 2023 and i'll talk to you all in the new year